I'm back again, and I have Hannah, the voiceover lady. Today's, do you have any uh, gay friends or anybody from, you know, is it LGBTQ? If I say no, that's going to look like I'm very undiverse, doesn't it? I think it's because they probably feel you're quite boring. Oh, because yeah, maybe. you wear a lot of monochrome and um, you don't really listen to any music that goes out. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's just your circumstances. Scott, so do you have any advice for her in, in sort of acquiring a more diverse friend set? <laughs> Put some glitter on and go dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Hear that, Hannah? Glitter and dancing. <laughs> It's the fabulous flower. They'll find you. <laughs> awesome. Which is she is fine. Or maybe you may be friends with people who I were in the closet. In more circles, don't I? Anyway, um, <laughs> today we have my friend who is uh, amazing. Uh, he was a colleague of mine when I was a DJ. He was a barman, and he's absolutely fabulous to coin a term. Um, so yeah, shall we do it? Yeah, let's. Can you can you do the thing? Can you do the ID of the podcast? No. Every time you ask for that. Baz Faces, true all-stars. Episode 10. I have just a legend from my life when I was a DJ. <laughs> um, I'm talking about... See, when when you do play in venues, when you're a DJ, um, you know, you do have a relationship with everybody else in the venue because you're kind of looking out for each other. Yeah. So you become a little family. A family. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm talking to my friend Scott. Scott was a barman and you did the food as well, didn't you? I did. I started off in the food and then the girls convinced our manager to let me down on the bar. Okay. And we had a giggle. So this is, this is, I think catch- I was the only guy behind the bar, if I remember rightly. Yes. That was, was. controversially. <laughs> yes. Um, so <laughs> this is in a, this is in a small town called Kettering. Describe Kettering. To anybody who's never been. It's got a Weetabix factory. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, for me, Kettering was the people. Um, I moved there when I was 11 from Essex. And the first few years, it was this quiet little town compared to where I'd come from. And I've made some of the best friends I've kept all my life now. And I mean, I'm way older from where I was from. I mean, I was 22 when I left Kettering. Mm. Um, I, 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 it's no disrespect to people that live there, but for me, catering was kind of like a bit of a, for me personally, it became a bit of a void. You know, it was, I had to get out of there, but I mean, that was more personal life than, there's nothing wrong with catering, I suppose. Um, it kind of felt like it was in the middle of nowhere. Mm. I don't know. Um, it's a nice enough place, I suppose. Like I say, I've got some of the best memories of my life from being there, but I think it was the people that made catering for me, not the geographical. And I live by the sea now, so obviously catering seems quite dull compared mm. to where I am now. 
See, this isn't actually a podcast. This is a uh, Kettering Tourism video recording. So <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, 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 don't call us, we'll call you. Okay. <laughs> it, it had a good, I remember it having a good music scene for a while, like yeah. um, some awesome bands, some awesome DJs. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is, a, it is a very random place. I don't know. I, I, for the life of me, I can't remember how I ended up DJing there. Uh, but yeah, that's what it was. Um, so, your whereabouts regionally are you in the country now? Give give me a rough. He said your body's uh, Dorset. Dorset. Okay, nice. Do Southwest. people go to Dorset to retire? Yes, it is the retirement capital of the country. It's where people go to die. Yeah, as Lee Evans says, there's ramps everywhere. Is it really <laughs> is? <laughs> they call it um, they call it turkey and tinsel at Christmas time. They all flood down in drones and drones. Wow! Every every hotel along the seafront is just full of old people. Okay, and what area of business are you in at the moment? Uh, I am still in the pub trade. Actually, uh, I'm a manager now. Finally, awesome. um, well done. It was funny. I remember my whole life. My dad was always like, "Working in a pub is not a trade. It's not a career." But as soon as I made management and started making bank, he was like, "Oh no, no, no! Yeah, this is fine. You're good." Does yeah. he? Does he not go to the pubs? <laughs> does he not know no. how they work? Uh, no. no, no. He he drank in the seventies when he was a teenager, and then as soon as he started driving it was more important to him to be able to drive than it was to go out and have a drink. So he just doesn't drink. Fair enough. He's a good man. He's a, a man of simple pleasures and we don't always see eye to eye, but he's, he's a good soul. He's one of the best men I know. So Awesome. That's great. You, you've, uh, you can speak about your dad like that. No, everybody can do that. Um, no, no. Um, I'm very, very, I'm very aware of how blessed I am within my family unit. We've always been incredibly open. And don't get wrong, we have skeletons in our closet like the best of people do, but we always come through for each other. So, okay. And I've heard horror stories of other friends. So I am very blessed. Baz Faces, true all star. Right, I'm going to describe what I can see now. Um, if you're, you're obviously listening on the podcast, you won't be able to see Scott, but I'm hoping you've seen the trailers. So um, let's talk about the hair because it's quite sobering. It's, it's quite sober as opposed to what it's normally like. So it's quite, is this is this a move into a uh, decision? Uh, yeah. Management? Um, I've actually only just recently dyed it. No, yeah. no. Um, so I started going grey. I mean, I started going grey when I was 15 and uh, in the last 10 years or so, I've gone completely grey and it was just in the last month I decided to recapture my misguided youth and I went back to this raven blue black. Okay. But, um, yeah, it's, so it's actually quite a change from what it's been. A lot. I've trimmed down the beard, I had a full-blown beard for the last five years as well, which infuriates my brothers greatly. 
<laughs> neither, neither of them can grow a proper beard. So, That's of course, enough. I'm the epitome of masculinity. So, <laughs> well, you are, I think. <laughs> I like to think so. <laughs> well, there's, there's comedian, right? So, so we'll. There's a comedian. Um, I I, feel, I, I can't. I can never remember. I remember good lines, but not the names of the comedians. And he mm-hmm. said, mm-hmm. "What right. is what is more manly than a man?" Wanting to, I'll say, consume another man. Oh, mate, I know exactly who you're talking about. He has this thing about his mates are always like, oh, yeah, we don't like them. We don't like them. And he's like, mate, they're tougher than any of us. (laughs) (laughs) So, for language purposes, I shan't finish the line. Oh, you can, hey, there's no barriers here, man. I'll just put you down as explicit. (laughs) They just say what you like. <laughs> um so Scott, you are a proud gay man. I certainly am. I okay, certainly so, am. So that just gives some context to what we're talking about. <laughs> Baz faces true all stars. Going back to, you know, growing up in that sort of small town mm-hmm. of Kettering, what was that yes. like? Was that difficult? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Um, it was a different time. I mean, mm. for a, just to sidetrack for a second, I was on the bus the other day and there were two, what I presume were younger gay men in front of me. I don't know, 15, 16, mm. mid to late teens. And they were just moaning about how hard it is and how tough it is to be an openly gay man. And I was just sat there and I was like, no judgments. Obviously, it's all perspective, but... I just felt like shaking them and being like, you have no idea. You have no idea <laughs> yeah. how easy you have it now. Like the fact that it is, and I, I hate using this word, the fact that it is normal yeah. now, it's socially, for the most part, acceptable. I was 13 years, I'm 35 now, and I was 13 when I came out. And that was, I'm really terrible at math. 90s, 98, 99, hmm. no, 97, I think. Yeah, 97, sorry. It was not okay. Uh, now, was that not okay had... Or was that... Because uh, 90, the 96, 97 era, there was, you know, it was quite a... You know, you had Girl Power, Spice Girls, um, you know, you had the yeah, yeah. Rageous Boy Band, and Babylon Zoo, and, mm. you know, there, there were these oh, kind mate, of... that was the first album I ever bought. See, X-ray I'm, eyes. I'm in tune, yeah. my friend. I'm in tune. And it, it, was, <laughs> kind of, it was kind of a, almost a, a, like a, a glam era to come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, if you were gay, it was well, like, yeah, so what? Like- like you say, Kering was a small town, but for like a bigger perspective, um, I forget the name of it. I think it was Margaret Thatcher in, like, in implemented it. I think it was called like Section 28. Mm. Um, you weren't allowed to openly talk to teenagers, especially in a school educational environment, about being homosexual. Mm. I remember having sex ed and like a mem- uh, a fellow student was like well is it different for scott and they were the teacher was kind of like trying to shut it down immediately yeah. and i like put my hand up and was like no sir they're not they're not teasing like i am and he marched me out of the room and as soon as we were out of the room he's like his whole demeanor changed he's like scott i'm really sorry but i can't discuss this with you in school i could lose my job 
Yeah. And I believe it was only abolished in like the mid noughties. Wow. It, 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 it was crazy. Um, again, around that time, gay bashing was still a thing. It, I don't know. It was, it was tough. And like, um, like I say, I'm a very proud man, but in mm. the same breath, I can't hide who I am or as a lot of gay people call it past, like you can't pass for being straight. Yeah. And it's, it was tough back then again. Like, I mean, like you said about you can't, the very first, one of the first things you said about my appearance now is that my hair is very, you know, quite subtle. Well, back then when I knew you, I didn't have to come out because I was so in your face with vibrant colors and my mm. appearance and, as your listeners can hear, my voice is quite effeminate. And uh, if you could see me, my mannerisms are effeminate. And I can't hide that I am gay. Not that I want to, but back then, especially being in school, like I just wanted one day's break away from it all. Yeah. Like it was tough. Like school was horrific. I'm not going to lie. It was pretty, pretty bad. If I hadn't had my friends, I don't think I would have made it. Hmm. I really don't. But in the same breath, I like to believe that I'm the compassionate person I am because of what I went through when I was younger. Yeah. So kind of it's, it's, a, it's hand a, in hand. Dude, it's a tough life. I remember when when I I was at school one year and I made a joke. And, and, you know, back then I was still searching for like sideways jokes. I didn't want to say things that were everybody else was saying. I, I was kind of quite left field with my humour. And I made a comment. I can't even remember what it was. And then all the kids started calling me gay. So for a whole year, I was teased for being gay, even though I wasn't gay. And I just remember thinking, crikey, what if I was gay? Like, this is yeah. unbearable. Um, it so was I, every day, mate. Every wow. day. Yeah. Threatened okay. with physical violence. And the irony was half the bullies that threatened me, I had sexual relations with That's as amazing. well. Like, it bullied <laughs> me at school. And then, honestly, it was it's textbook. You know, they were deflecting and... yeah. I didn't care at the time. I thought I was hot stuff. So <laughs> one of the things, I mean, I can't onto very early on is uh, I seem to land in the middle of what is quite a strong sort of gay lesbian. I, I can never do the letters. I always, always mess it up. So we'll just, we'll I'm just, going, I, <laughs> yeah, I, but I seem to I, land in that. And, you know, quite without, a lot of, without sounding like a, what's the word? Um, Without sounding like a bigot, I, I don't have time for <laughs> all letters. of those letters of the alphabet. It's, 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 oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of political correctness gone mad now. Yes. Like, that's a whole other conversation. It's yeah. a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, so um, I seem to, I seem to be in the middle of, you know, um, 
like a lot of the girls were lesbians and um, mm. obviously met you. And there was this, there was a couple of others. And there was this, and I just remember thinking, this scene is so oh, strong. Friends, it's amazing. Yeah, all of yeah. the girls were. Yeah. I was like, this, this is a great scene. And, and for a while I thought Kettering must be. I literally had my pride. They were like a pack that protected mm. me back then. Which is also, and all of them individually, I mean, I, I try and keep up with them and talk to them as much as I can. All of them are, um, amazing, just like the most amazing people as well. Um, most, of all, most of them have all married married now. Yeah. All loving wife-on-wife relationships. I yeah. think it's wonderful. Which is, which is incredible. Which, which must have been for you a nice oh, kind of end to the journey in, in Kettering. Yeah, I'll be I'll be honest. Um, at one of the girls' weddings, like part of their speech was, it just really touched me because they were like I was the glue that brought them all together, mm. and it was just it was really touching. It was, yeah, it was really special. Despite you know the bad experiences, um, you know the bullying, the there's mm-hmm. general discrimination. When I met you, you seemed to be in a in a good place. You were literally one of my favourite people to just dock with and talk to when I came to do. Because, I mean, I was at that place three nights a week for like two years. Um, and it was like, yeah, I need my Scotty time. Because you seem to have this mm-hmm. amazing mm-hmm. energy. Um, is What's that built on? Is that something you do deliberately? Is that something you are naturally sort of blessed with? Or is it, you know, is it just a decision to be like um, that? Do you know, people say, I've, I've never lost it either. Um, I truly don't know where it comes from. Um, I think it's classical. It started as social camouflage, like, you know, outwardly projects such a, strong character and people won't doubt it for a second Mm. and I think I almost I just started believing it myself which in effect made it real it wasn't Mm. camouflaged anymore I actually was this bubbly eccentric colorful person and I think the world regardless as to what's going on in the world right now like just in general, the world is an incredibly harsh and unforgiving place. And that you have to find the goodness and the silver linings in the world. And I don't know, I think my mum instilled in me that you smile and the world will smile back, hmm. you know? So it's almost owning Bring a yourself, bit of happiness and joy into the world. Yeah. So it's almost owning yourself, own, owning who you are. Yeah, Absolutely. And I think the problem is with this world is that, that not everybody owns who they are. And I think that's where problems arise. And I think that's where um, lack of understanding for other people's beliefs or preferences. I think, you know, and it's, you know, crikey, clear example, you were bullied mm-hmm. at school and then went on to do whatever with those same dudes, which is, you know, if they own themselves. Um, but again, as well, you know, when you're, Growing up in a world, and I use the te- you use the terminology straight. If I'm straight, does that make you crooked or bent or you know what you know you mm. the terminology that that's been force fed on us um, is you know well if you're no so it's it's funny isn't it yeah, yeah. Um, I actually quite I always enjoyed the term queer 
Mm. which is funny because I know a lot of gay people that get quite offended by the harshness of that word that it can sometimes carry. But it just sums me up. Weird, kooky, mm-hmm. odd. Um, I don't know. Obviously, it's not for everyone. Um, I mean, without getting too melodramatic, I hate uh, the idea of straight, gay, bi, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Um, it's all just a construct, isn't it? It's another way of explaining it to people. Like, I'd, again, it sounds really melodramatic, but love is love and lust is lust. Like, yeah. if I found myself attracted to a woman, I'd quite simply go for it. I just mm. simply haven't right now. And uh, quite frankly, by <laughs> from a biological standpoint, the old foo-foo terrifies me ever since. <laughs> <laughs> It's a scary place. Kind of face hugger, <laughs> predator. It really is like the forbidden land. I, I've seen no, a, no, 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 no. I've seen a baby come out of one. Um, it, yeah, it's it's. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Which is <laughs> uh, okay. That's uh... Oh, so many jokes in my head have just rushed forward, and I'm like ticking them off, going, "No, can't say that. No, can't I can say see that." Forming. <laughs> I think you're the first person to have stumped me in my whole series. Um, <laughs> Yay! The, the irony of not wanting to be cancelled when nobody knows who I am anyway to, to even care, which is just ridiculous. Um, but yeah, it, and and just. Let's move on. <laughs> Faz Faces, true all-stars. In terms of attraction, so mm-hmm. I know that I don't... So I can look at a dude and go, he's a good-looking dude, or, you know, he... whatever. Um, but yep. it stops there. And the thought mm-hmm. of, you know, being intimate, it, it it's like my brain goes... Going physical. Yeah, yes. I, my brain goes... Yeah, no, we're not turns your tummy. It's just like, yeah, yeah, that's that's not something I'm going to enjoy. So is is that how you look at women? No, yeah, yeah. It's it's funny actually. Um, I actually find the female physique far more beautiful than a man's. Like, obviously, I find men attractive, mm. but for me, pers- obviously, through personal taste, there's only so many shapes and forms that. I find attractive, but with women, it's, I think they're so beautiful in so many shapes and sizes and curves and the way a woman's body is built. And again, like you said, when it comes to the nitty gritty, like getting physical with a woman, then mm. yeah, it, it, it kind of, the, that journey stops there. Mm. But yeah, I, I truly can appreciate when a woman is, in my eyes, stunning. Hmm. Very much so. And like I said, I think women come in far more varieties than men. (laughs) Yes, they do. But again, it's all preference. It's all personal preference. I think this is what it is. I I think, you know, this whole, it boils down to preference. And and I don't get why. It really does. It's just like, well, that's just what, you know, this person... It can offend and upset people so greatly. Yeah. This person prefers this person and that person prefers that same person. So what's the problem? You know, and, you know, in 
in sort of being sensible in, well, you know, there is age concerns and what, so any normal sort of um, regulation, yeah, outside of those, it is just preference, um, which, which you know, I, I just kind of don't understand. Um, so, so you mentioned your relationship with your parents earlier, you've got a great relationship with them. Um, so do, do they, have they always been supportive of, are they the type of parents who are just like, look, Scott, you are who you are, just get on with it, just be a good person. Or was there that kind of, this is me, them reacting to it or them going, we knew, what was that like? Well, this is it. Um, so my mum said she knew from about the age of three or four. I had asked Santa for a pink dress. <laughs> I liked Barbies. Um, and obviously, again, we're, we're living in a different age now. Like gender assigned toys are pretty much a thing of the past now. Yeah. But when I was a kid, like it wasn't, again, I hate using this word, but it wasn't normal. Mm. It wasn't the status quo. And I was just incredibly lucky I remember one day, I think I was about six or seven, and my parents were picking me up from school, and I was running around with all the girls, and my dad was stood there proud as anything, like, oh, my boy, my boy, all the girls want my boy. And my mum was like, no, 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 <laughs> he's he's one of the girls. Like, yeah, it was quite funny, really. Um, again, like I said, my dad was a good man. He still is, but mm. I think there was a slight disconnect through lack of communication and uh, completely unrelated family dramas played into the kind of lack of communication between me and my dad. Um, but he never, ever once made me feel unloved. I think he just didn't understand. And obviously being a turbulent teenager, at this point in my life, my mum had actually left. And my dad was raising me and my younger brother. And I was, I was a, for, for a long time, just before I met you, I was like full blown goth. So I was going through that real stereotypical teenage angst. On top of that, I was quite large. I was gay. It was just like I ticked all these boxes for what could cause trauma and stuff around that time. And yeah, yeah for a few years, there was a bit of a, gap between me and my dad but on the whole my family were fantastic uh i remember once my auntie told me i think i was about nine or ten years old and it was christmas and she'd got quite drunk and she decided that they she had had enough of waiting for me to figure it out yeah and that she was just going to tell me mm. and it took my older brother and my mum and my nan like holding her down going like you can't you can't tell him that he has to figure it out on his own and was that the uh, right thing to do? Slightly off subject, but like I remember. Oh, absolutely, of course, absolutely. I, I, I think it could really damage, not damage. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know, actually, when I really think about it. But I don't think you, anyone should be told. Mm. I like, yeah, I, I, yeah, actually, no, yeah, I do. But I, I think you should find out on your own. No one should be told they're gay. Um, especially at that age when like, uh, so a lot of people always ask me, Oh, when did you, when did you know you were gay? And I think it was around puberty time. Like when you start becoming 
having sexual thoughts and stuff like um so i remember my mum's friend's older son was my babysitter when i was young like really young and i remember thinking back then i always thought he was beautiful but at that age, i think i was about seven or eight years old and because you don't have sexual thoughts you don't talk about those kinds of feelings so when i looked at him and perceived him as beautiful i didn't perceive that as being gay because at that age you just assume that everyone has those kinds of feelings yeah but i can look back at it now and be like oh my god i was gay that was me in the most innocent way that was me attracted to him hmm. and it weren't until puberty really hit in and like you're at school and like my school had commute uh uh the men's showers were like communal and the changing rooms were all, you're all in there together. Yeah. I remember all the guys being like, oh yeah, this girl's fit and that girl's fit and rah, rah, rah. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in my head, I was like, why don't I think she's attractive? Hmm. And then obviously again, hormones, puberty, but I'm in a communal shower and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> and like the, the pin dropped and I was like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> now, was that a you sense know, of... it, it was tough. Like, you yeah. have to figure those things out on your own, and that's life. But Did you f- feel a sense of liberation, or did you feel uh, um, a sense of... And, and this is very... For uh, I remember when I had slept with a gentleman for the first time, and I was walking. It was the walk of shame. It was like five, six o'clock in the morning. I'd had to leave before his family woke up. Yeah. I mean, regrettably, I was quite young, but I was walking home and I remember literally like shouting out loud, like, I'm gay. <laughs> like, Amazing. Because it was, it, it, it had solidified for me. I was like, I had done it. I knew what I was. And yeah, it did feel quite liberating. It was scary. I won't <laughs> lie. Um, like, there were, like I said, school was really tough and there were just days where I wanted a break and I think not being able to process some of those emotions I would sometimes think to myself like oh my god my life would just be easier if I was straight or if I was a girl and but I've obviously grown up now and I wouldn't change me for the world and I love who I am so good good and a lot of people love you for who you are as well I am one of them (laughs) you know so, so I'm glad you went oh, on that journey. I'm, well, hey, I'm glad you went on that journey. I'm glad you owned yourself. And I, I'm glad you, like, you also strike me as having no fear. Like, I'm glad you have no fear. Like, I don't think like, you would work if you didn't have. It's, it's funny, being fearless sometimes, like, it's, it's, you're still afraid, but you choose to do it anyway. That's how I perceive being fearless. It's not that you're not scared. It's just, it's what's going to be worse, you know, mm. might as well go for it. And so you have a great sense of, you have a great sense of, um, well, what's the worst that can happen? Which is, I think, you yes, know, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. You have a little bit of fear, but you're not really scared of the fear. You just, it's almost like a driver, and isn't it? Again, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm. And I think what really gave me fire as well was that, unfortunately, like I said, I was really lucky and blessed to have the family and friends I had. But a lot of my other gay friends had 
yes, school was bad for me, but I always had my family and my friends. Mm. I heard horror stories of what people have gone through, being disowned, being attacked physically as well as mentally. Uh, I had a friend whose family pretty much took him to like a voodoo witch doctor because he was possessed. Oh, wow. And I just, um, one of my first partners was thrown down three flights of stairs by his dad and disowned, completely disowned. And I couldn't even fathom that. I mean, I'm not a parent, but fundamentally in my mind, you should love your children. Mm. And the fact that someone's sexuality is so frightening to someone that you would just disown your own child. Like mm. it just breaks my heart. And I felt really bad for, I, I, I would sometimes actually feel guilty. Like, uh, for example, uh, I never really got to come out as it were, because everyone knew and every, and people who didn't know just assumed. Yeah. Um, I never got that journey. A lot of my gay friends had their sexual awake like realization where they were like you know they'd actually tried say tried didn't really realize they were gay and thought they were straight and had dated the opposite sex and went through that whole whirlwind roller coaster of a journey of having that realization whereas I didn't have that realization I I just kind of always knew mm. and I sometimes used to feel like I'd missed out, even though it was, I'm sure it wasn't fun for them. It was kind of, I'm trying to think of what the word is, uh, a rite of passage for a gay person. And I felt like I didn't get that. But the pros to not having that were that I didn't have all that trauma or bad, I, obviously I had bad experiences, but yeah, I didn't have to have that, oh my God, I'm gay. Hmm. It was just uh Oh, it all makes sense now. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and not not many people get that clarity in their life, that kind of, uh, whether it be, um, oh, that makes sense. I'm mean to do it or, you know, um, oh, that, this is why I think this way. It's because I have this or, you know. Um, so kudos to you, my friend. Baz Faces, true all-stars. So let's, let's talk about the culture. So we'll take sort of gay as a culture um, and I'll okay. reference it with black as a culture. So I know there's some things I do and I'm like, that's just some black shit that I've just done. <laughs> right now, right? Do you have, is there anything you do that's like, this is so gay? <laughs> like, is there anything you do that kind of ticks that box? I suppose the whole camp thing was quite a big thing for a long time. Um, like the world's really evolved. Like the whole idea of gays being over effeminate has completely kind of gone away now. Like the, I'm trying to think. Um, I remember uh, being, I was on one of the London bridges for the turn of the millennium. And there was a couple of big chaps in front of me. It was, it was in, um, obviously sort of deep in the heart of London. And they were kind of talking like this, all right, yeah, how's it going, how's it going? Then another dude approached, and the first dude went, oh, uh, this is my boyfriend, Alex, Alex, this is... And I was like, 
man, those are like the toughest gays I've ever seen. <laughs> like at the time with my young mind, I was like, this is incredible. Um, do what? You, do, I know. It, mind blown. It, yeah, it's like, uh, it, you know, but then that's that's my mind being at the time force fed with these images of, you know, um, you know, we grew up with Julian Clary and these kind of subtle references to homosexuality in comedy and TV and and whatever. So, but I mean, is, you know, going back to what I asked originally, yeah. Is there anything you do that is like, that's just like, you have to be gay to do that. (laughs) Apart from obviously the obvious, which is the um, engaging with other gay people. (laughs) (laughs) I thought of one. Um, Having, being overly friendly with girls like that every girl should have a gay best friend like <laughs> i've always i've been i've had like i hate using the term but the whole fag hag mm. thing where you have like the dirty best friends and you go shopping and all that kind of stuff like i'm i was all about that for years that yeah. stereotype of you know girls and gays get on best and all the rest of it i suppose maybe is is that a reality though obviously there are exceptions mm. to the rule but yeah. yeah um but i think girls get on with gays so well because there's no threat there's no fear of oh well they're saying these nice things to me because they just want to get in my pants like or mm. knickers should i say but i suppose that's kind of off subject that's not really a a gay thing um i think there's value in that answer scott i, I think, love pink <laughs> yeah <laughs> is is that really i mean we were we were watching this thing with my son um and it was uh it's, it's this thing on youtube and it's i can't remember it the, the thing was stuck in my head but i quite a lot of what my son's phases they kind of get stuck in my head and then I just bury them very very deep it's like I think it's called colossal questions and I I think um it's uh it was like the history of the colors blue and pink and did you know Scott that um when pink was was assigned assigned to men because it was strong and it was bold yeah and it wasn't uh, some idiot along, switched someone around. Else, someone else told me this. Mm. Yeah, it was only rec- in recent years that they switched it around as well. Like only a few generations ago. Mm. Which is crazy. Um, yeah, I, like, I kind of liked all the stereotypical things. Hello Kitty, Powerpuff Girl. But again, this is what I mean by back then, right when I was a teenager, it mm. was incredibly gay to be into all those things but yeah. now that's all kind of been swept away like the, the whole idea of, um so uh, again kind of off subject but earlier you mentioned the whole the like the terminology straight like mm. within the gay community you have a thing called straight acting like yeah. uh i'm sure you've heard of a little app called grinder uh, there's I've a huge thing on there <laughs> and men will refer to themselves as straight acting and I yeah and um, it infuriates me because there's nothing straight about it you are masculine it doesn't mean you're straight hmm. you can have effeminate straight men just like you can have masculine gay men and it this this kind of 
stigma with being masculine is like, well, you're, you're just, you're just a bloke. There's nothing wrong with that, but you like men. There's nothing straight about you. And it just infuriates me. Sorry, kind of off subject. (laughs) No, not at all. Not at all. I like to refer to myself as like a beta male because, um, I have, in if we're in a group, I have no desire to be the alpha male. I find the responsibility of being a so-called alpha just too laborious. Um, I, I have a routine in the morning. I, mm-hmm. I, I apply lotions to my face. Um, I actually do like going shopping with, uh, I say girls, my wife. Um, one of the things she loved about me before um, we got together was I would critique, we would go shopping in our lunch breaks because we used to work together or we'd go, uh, you know, window shopping or whatever. And I would critique things that she picked up. And that's just, you know, you ask me something, uh, here's yeah. my opinion of it. But I actually quite enjoyed it. I, I, you know, I, I think growing up as well, I used to like walking around um, like the West End and looking in the shops and stuff like that. Um mm. So, um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, with all the political correctness, which sometimes does get a bit silly, but I think we are sort of moving towards this existence where you are a person and within your person, there are some variables. And within those variables, so long as they're not really breaking the law, it doesn't matter, does it? Um, it doesn't matter who, yes, who you absolutely. go home with. It, it doesn't matter. I you think know. another, we're literally like one generation away from it. Yeah, one generation away. I, I just, they call them, um, what is it? Because uh, I, I believe we're millennials because uh, I was a, I'm a millennial. I was born in 86. I was a little bit. Think that makes me a millennial, but that this whole—I think they call it Generation Z, the mm. one that came after us—and they are some of the most. Unless, like you just comment, I've said it as well. Yes, political correctness can go a bit too far nowadays, but on the whole, they are the most enlightened, open generation of people I think this world has ever seen. And if they're already there. That's what I mean by maybe we're only one or two generations away from genuine, real openness and acceptance of who people are, just being yeah. themselves. And I think that's that can't be a bad thing. We don't need to tick boxes, do we, Scott? No, we do not. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Baz Faces, true all-stars. You're in Dorset at the moment. You're manager of a bar. Are you happy at the moment, Scott? Is there anything you're missing or is there anything you're not missing? Um, I've made some drastic life choices recently. Um, I smoked uh, the green for like over 20 years. And I, with lockdown and everything else, obviously working in the pub trade, I had to have nine months off work. And my smoking habit got really away from me. I got myself into some financial trouble and I kind of had to really kick myself in, like pull my socks up and be like, enough's enough. I want to find out who I am without it, be in a better financial position. And it's changed my life. Like, 
I am a different person and I know it's because I gave that up. Um, I discovered rock climbing in the last few years and I've never been an extreme sports kind of guy. I quite happily watch, but I'd never actually get involved. And yeah, the last few years I've made some really big changes and I'm in a really good place. I'm happy. Um, I miss friends and family that aren't close to me anymore. But then I wouldn't have the friends I have now that I met here either. I mean, it's a cliche, but everything happens for a reason. And, you know, one door closes and another opens. Um, but I do really, really love living here. It's, it's what I've lived all over the place and there's just nowhere like it. It's, it's a really, really beautiful place to live. Awesome. So you're in a good space. I like to think so. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, this is good. Um, and Especially with everything that's going on in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's not been great. It's not been great. Scott. Thank you so much. One, for sharing your experiences so candidly with me. And two, just, you know, for agreeing to do this. Um, you know, I, I'm not I'm not going to try and make you a poster boy for anything. Um, but I realised as somebody who's putting content into the world, the story behind me um, picking All Stars is, you know, there's a certain amount of admiration, uh, curiosity for stories. And, um, you know, I, I love people who overcome um, tough situations in life. But also, it's also me going, do you know what? I endorse you. I stand behind you and I'll stand with you and I will always support you. And I realised, Scott, that I didn't have somebody who represented the gay culture um so mm. i'm i'm really really chuffed that you allowed me to sort of um talk to you and, and you kind of stepped up onto onto my platform so thank you so much for that thank you for inviting me just um just don't ever change okay and uh, always be you and hopefully somewhere along the line we can grab a beer or a coffee at some point absolutely yeah. absolutely that would be awesome do you know what we should thank do thank you we for should... having me it was really good fun we should totally go shopping <laughs> yeah <laughs> scotty thank you very much my friend an absolute pleasure my friend next time on baz faces true all stars it's the baz facey true all stars season one finale so I think that's the only reason why you interview me because I know I met LL Cool J one time nah. in my life. I tell you, you find out the real reasons later. So, do you have LL's number? No. Um, <laughs> why? I actually do not have LL's number. <laughs> you do these interviews and then it's over. That's pretty yeah. much how it goes. Buzz faces, true all stars.